you are listening to The Dog Pod with your host, Han Vance, out of Atlanta, Georgia. And my wonderful executive producer and co-host out of GPK Studios in New York City. That's my man, Sam Casaccio. How you doing, Han? The you know Bulldogs what? got the W, man. You know what? I'm all about that mailman delivery, brother. I'm feeling great because I don't think there are any bad wins in football. Um, Arkansas maybe had a good loss, played us real well in the first half. But you know what? We got the win. I'm not going to cry about a 27-point victory. Yeah, you don't want to cry about a 27-point victory, but we can't go on without talking about the fear that there was. There was fear in the hearts of Georgia fans going into halftime. There had to have been. There was fear in my heart, and I'm not even a Georgia fan. Yeah, uh, obviously I knew that that could happen when you look at Barry Odom as the defensive coordinator at Arkansas. He was the Missouri guy that's very familiar with the league, very familiar with how to put a defense together. You look at Sam Pittman head coaching the Arkansas Hogs and formerly at Georgia as the associate head coach and line coach. These guys know how to get guys ready. It was a home game for Arkansas. They had nothing to lose, and they came out and played well. Meanwhile, Georgia played terrible. Um, a lot of that was laid on the feet of Dwan Mathis. I didn't see a run game get established early. I think that was a big And I got to say, yeah, the, the, and Kirby t- spoke about this. This this can't be laid all at the feet of Dewan Mathis. Obviously, he didn't get into rhythm. He showed some of his legs early. He had some good rushes. But the O-line was 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 making mistakes, particularly a, a, t- a terrible snap in the first half that killed killed the drive on third down um, by what was supposed to be, you know, uh, a preseason uh, all-SEC center in Trey Hill. Um, and I'll be the first one to say, on terms of the Arkansas defense, you know, I, while we're doing this podcast, I'm going to, you know, I'm a football guy. I'm going to eat my lumps before I, before I sing my praises. And we thought, and I said, I mean, at least I can say I thought that the, uh, the Arkansas defense was trash and they were not trash for a significant portion of that game. They kept Arkansas in that game for as long as they did until they, until now I'll start to sing my praises until, uh, the mailman, Stetson Bennett, the fourth, came in. Special delivery. Special delivery. And when you open up that delivery, what was inside? That was a a fully cooked hog, apple in mouth. Fully cooked Razorback. Samzy called it. I talked about it a little bit. You talked about it a lot. The mailman, Stetson Bennett, the fourth. Four comes off the bench to save the day. Keep in mind, people are talking about Georgia as if we got beat. We scored 32 points in the second half. What's 32 times 2? 64. So these big problems that Georgia had, I really attribute to a slow start. And Arkansas being so well coached. They were visibly well coached up. Georgia had a new offensive coordinator, a new offensive system, new line, you know, everything new. And with no spring camp, with no spring And no Sam Pittman. To Sam Pittman's credit. He went over there. I thought he coached one of the better games I've seen Arkansas play in the last two years. He did, and they maybe are a little more talented than we presumed uh, on our last show. But Georgia just wasn't ready. Um, A good friend of mine, Richard Hill, a sixth-generation Georgia man, was commenting that that was the G-Day game for us. That first half was our practice, our scrimmage. We hadn't gone live. 
um, except against each other a little bit. And now we're doing it and it didn't work out so well. But thank God for the mailman. Well, yeah, that's what I was going to say. I guess that what you saw was the second half of the G-Day game where you put in your backup guy and your backup guy really should have been your first guy as stated on the dog pod. Yeah, we were the only guys really jumping on the Bennett bandwagon before there was one. We made the bandwagon for this kid. Um, I mentioned this last show, I believe, but Mel Tucker, the current Colorado head coach, raved about Stetson Bennett as a scout team quarterback. Stetson went away. He was out of JUCO. He got game experience. He's a gamer. He has experience. And now JT Daniels, the hotshot USC transfer on a waiver hardship waiver eligibility. Cleared to play. Yes. He's cleared to go, Sam. So this is, and, and, and watching Herbie talk this week, this is the interesting thing kind of in our recap of the show is that we felt like we were going to get to see, you know, I felt like we had questions last week and I went into this week thinking I had some answers and we don't seem to because watching Kirby talk and, and, and I wanted to ask you about this, Han, because sure. this is whether, is this coach speak? Kirby says the carousel continues. We have no, he, according to him, we have no idea who is going to be starting for the Bulldogs here in what is maybe the biggest game of the year for them. So definitely the biggest game so far. A lot of times game the in biggest... the SEC so far, we can at least, it is, that. it is. Um, the deep South's oldest rivalry is always a big game. It's always a losable game for both teams. But how do you feel about the the, the quarterbacks not being decided? And do you think that 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 Kirby actually knows who's going in? Is it is it the mailman? Is it or is JT Daniels waiting in the wings? I mean, he literally did not decline to say that any of them could right. go in, including Dewan. And he defended Dewan's play. And he also brought up Carson Beck, as we did last week. Sure. He, he said that he could be in the mix. This is this is something that they're going to work out. He says the QB competition continues. Is this coach speak, or are, is Stetson going in there for four quarters on Saturday? A little bit of both. Um, Kirby is sticking to the script of what he's done at Athens. Keep in mind, he's a defensive guy and a recruiting guy. He's not an offensive guru. He's not an offensive specialist. He's not very decisive when it comes to offensive decision-making. And Last year, Fromm got all the playing time, pretty much. The other years of the Kirby regime, there's been more than one quarterback in the beginning of the season every single time. Justin Fields and Jake Fromm. Justin Fields and Jacob Eason. Jacob Eason and Grayson Lambert. So there's Kirby doesn't want to give away what's going to happen, but I don't expect to see JT Daniels start for sure. I know you think if Stetson plays well, he's probably going to get to stay in there all four quarters. I mean, that's my take. I kind of, if, if you were asking me, to me it's coach speak. He's not putting a guy in who just got cleared off an ACL after you have that kind of a performance out of a player. Because you got to remember, too, this is a locker room, right? So those guys yeah. know this kid. And they probably don't know JT Daniels as well. Not at all. They, they, probably they, not they, at all. Yeah, not at all. Whereas the leader, you know, a guy on this team that's been their buddy for years went in and saved their ass on Saturday against Arkansas. So you think where are you going with morale if he's not going to be the guy and at least be given the chance to be the guy going yeah. into the biggest game of the season? He's going in. He's going to lead him. And unless he fucks it up, he's staying in all four quarters. Well, and him coming back to Georgia was really a big deal in the, in the hearts of the team, I'm sure. Because he was starting elsewhere. He could have gone elsewhere. He came back to back Jake Fromm up. So he's a returnee, a re-enrollee re to the UGA. He chose Georgia twice. So he is... Georgia and, through and, and Kirby through. brought up he had scholarship offers at other. He schools. could have gone elsewhere. 
and he didn't. He's a Georgia boy. He's a right. bulldog. And you look at Daniels, he's a California guy. You look at Dwan, he's a Michigander. This is really the Georgia guy on the roster right now. Carson Beck's a Floridian. So this is the Georgia guy. A lot of Georgia people want to see that five-star. They want to see that guy with the physical, prototypical, statuesque body, the big cannon arm. That's not who Stetson Bennett is. But look, you saw that two-point conversion, the will he had to win in cracking that pylon with the ball. You saw him really be deadly accurate. He was a surgeon out there. He's deadly accurate passer. That's why they call him the mailman. His passing prowess is not in question. What is in question is he's 5'11", and he's not Uh, extremely, extremely mobile. So he has to have passing lanes. If Auburn can create some problems for him in those passing lanes, that could be a problem for the game in which we see Daniels get inserted quicker. I think Daniels is going to get a few series regardless. But um, Auburn was so dynamite on defense last year. They beat Bama. They didn't beat us, even though we had they had us uh, in the jungle on the prettiest village on the plains. They like to call it. Uh, we won there, but they had those bad to the bone defensive linemen that aren't there anymore. Big Cat's still there, but those other two guys are off to the NFL. I don't think Auburn has the defense that they had, and this isn't a home game for them. I think Stetson's going to really show out. And Georgia is RBU. We're running back university. So we need to run the damn ball. I mean, you want to run the ball. It starts with the O-line. You don't just have to defend Dewan Mathis. I mean, sure, I know Georgia fans. And, and again, we'll eat lumps on this. I thought that we would see a reload against a bad Arkansas defense. The right. Arkansas defense looked better. And the O-line and running backs did not look to reload the way that I thought they would. You had bad snaps, by, as we mentioned, by a preseason all-SEC center in uh, Trey Hill. Uh, that move went to Warren Erickson, uh, a freshman, I believe. So so Trey Hill shifted from center like guard to right guard. There, yeah. And the right tackle, we had uh, Owen Condon in for uh, Warren McClendon, a redshirt sophomore. They had to shift the whole O-line around. So Cleveland was out, I believe. Ben Cleveland, he's a mountain of a man. He's not very fleet of foot, as I mentioned to you off mic. Um, so when Cleveland goes out, yeah, he's a fifth, fifth year senior. Yeah, he's, he's a, a big old guy. Senior. He's a big but he's dude. Not, he I think is. they thought that Trey and uh, uh, I think they thought Trey Hill could generate more power there. I don't think they want to speak to the fact that there was that bad snap at a pivotal point in the game yeah. in the first half. I mean, it wasn't a pivotal point in the game, but it was certainly a pivotal point in the first half. Uh, I don't I, want to think they want to say like we had to change something. Yeah, about and I think Dwan could have. It wasn't a good snap, but I think Dwan could have caught that ball. Dwan was clearly <laughs> off his game. It was bad and off his focus. Um, Trey has had a history of not being. You got to help out a young quarterback like that. You true, and I thought they should have established the running game up front. But Trey has had a history of not necessarily always snapping the ball well. A couple years ago, when I was up in the Bluegrass at Ark at Kentucky, he came into the game and was forced into the game when our great center, who was all SEC, came out uh, due to injury. And he did some bad snaps. The actual art of snapping is not his strong suit. It's really tertiary for a center to know it how It is to in some ways. You just the, need to – I mean, as long as it's a general toss to the back, you're, you're yeah, good. It's an art form, though. It is, it is important. It's super important. It's so important. If you fuck right. up the snap, your QB is fucked. That's it the is. bottom line. And that's it what is. happened to Dewan Mathis on that play – I'm not saying that excuses everything DeJuan Mathis did. The dude couldn't complete a pass. Right. Um, except to Pickens, who again, now we'll sing a little praise. Obviously, I mean, I think everyone knew Pickens was going to be the focal point of this offense. So 
But I mean, seeing a lot of double coverage. George is seeing a lot of double coverage, which we can expect. Actually, Kyrus Jackson ended up being the top receiver for the day, as well as a great punt returner. Um, He was probably going to be on pace to be all SEC punt returner if he can keep up what he did. Um, The special teams were great. But Kyrus was our leading receiver. I anticipate Pickens. The other guy uh, that tied in who only had one catch, Darnell Washington, the top athlete out of Vegas, um, who's the real big receiver, number zero. Look for him and Pickens to both have bigger games this week. Well, what I can also say is, the, and, and, and Han, before the show, mentioned this, the defense was as advertised. It was They played great D. I think at the end of the day, Han mentioned that it was the, the point differential was, what, what was it, Han? What happened was our defense actually generated a safety and a touchdown. So if you're counting the extra point there, we scored nine points and gave up 10. That's a negative one. You give up a, you give up a point, you win the game. All you have to get is a field goal, you're going to win the game. They, yeah. they did everything out there, uh, the we, defense. They did. We gave up 12.6 points per game last year. We're actually below that pace right now. Obviously, I expect a talented Auburn to score more than 12 points. I um, would, they've too. Got, I would They've too. got Seth Williams, you know, and he's that real tall receiver, 6'3", big body, had a couple touchdowns, really nice catches. He's a leaper, had 120 yards receiving. This is not your daddy's Auburn. This is not a powerful running game. This is the Chad Morris offensive-coordinated Auburn that throws the ball more, not the Gus Bus, where they run all the plays. They had a lot of that eye candy, misdirectional stuff, lots of running football. This is going to be a throwing offense. Bo Nix is a true sophomore. He's the son of Pat Nix, who I saw play. Um, he's an Auburn guy and is really one of the – Premier passers coming back as far as a guy that did well last year around the SEC and came back. There's a lot of expectation placed on this kid. You know, he hasn't even got the pimples off his face yet. He's still a young guy. Uh, When Richard LeCount had a big game, had two interceptions, he now has four takeaways in the last two games. He's a projected All-American. I see him rolling over to help Eric Stokes Jr. Stokes Jr. has been going up against George Pickens in practice. Similar body type to Seth Williams. That's advantage Georgia, unless Stove, their second receiver, can go off. They also have a uh, number 89, a 300-pound tight end. I don't expect him to be making much noise. If they can't run the ball, Georgia wins this game. Well, I'll tell you this. You're focusing on a lot of things that, that are obvious, right? You're talking sure. about run game. You're talking about the defense. But I want to hone in on something a la Bill Belichick right now. Yeah, and I want to talk special teams with you, Han. I want to talk about, and, and, and we could talk about the defense, we could talk about the mailman in that Arkansas game, but those special teams, special teams had an enormous impact, even just keeping that game alive for an, right. a Georgia offense that could not move the ball. And you have a new guy out there, name of McIntosh, Steve Jobs guy, going for two returns, 91 yards, average of about 40, uh, 40 yards a return giving you the field position when you couldn't get the ball going. And it was the focal point, uh, or at least one of Kirby's focal points in this press conference. Okay. So his focal point was to talk about the fact that Georgia, the thing people weren't talking about the impact they were able to have in the special teams game, being able to not only keep the game alive, but being a huge asset. You're talking, you know, you're talking about a block kick, Lots of different things that happened. Block there. punt, yes. And, uh, Zamir uh, White blocked the punt. Yeah, yeah, block punt. Um, so 
the, the special teams showed up big for Georgia in that Arkansas game, and so did the defense. But he did point out that Sam Pittman is bu- rebuilding that special teams unit kind of across the board at Arkansas, and that right. will not be the case against Auburn. And how much of a factor will that have in the game? Well, Jake Camarda, first of all, was the SEC special teams player of the week. That's our punter. Uh, punters never get praise, and they deserve praise when they do well. Um, Camarda did well. Pudlesny, who is the replacement for Rodrigo, Hot Rod Blankenship, uh, made his kicks. Zamir White, our feature running back, is in there blocking a punt. Kenny McIntosh, the true sophomore from Fort Lauderdale running back, had those 45 yards or so average, as you mentioned. I'd like to see McIntosh get more carries, by the way, side note. But I don't yeah, think I thought that teams, too. Yeah, I thought that too. I don't think the special teams is going to dominate like that. But if they can continue to be very solid, when you're talking about good punt returning, good kick returning, good coverage, making your field goals, that can win some games, especially when you have a dynamite defense. Another big piece here is how good Auburn's is on special teams, and that's why I brought it up. It's not only the fact that that, that Georgia was able to, to contribute in this way. Auburn's special teams have been great, and you mentioned the Bama game last year. Those special teams in that game were pivotal. Again, these are the, these are the things that don't get brought up and don't get remembered. But Bama scores a touchdown, next plays a 99-yard touchdown return. This is, I think, going to be a factor in this game. It's going to be a big factor. And I know Georgia looked good on on Saturday, and and they need to continue that. They need to continue to look in that way against a good Auburn team. And I know that Auburn has a good uh, special teams outside of watching that uh, Iron Bowl last year. I also know that my Huskers, who are – pretty putrid in the uh, special teams department have hired a special teams analyst from Auburn last year. So we're hoping that that's going to, we're hoping that they're going to just trickle. We're hoping we're going to be the parasite on that, on that special teams, uh, special teams momentum. Right. Um, Yeah. The special teams are, are always key and people don't talk about that. There's really three sides in football. There's offense, there's defense, there's special teams. And so if Georgia can continue to shine, Auburn's going to have a lot more athletes in Arkansas. And I think that's what you're alluding to. It's not just the coaching. Arkansas is going to have really good athletes across the board. Um, But again, I don't think they're as strong as they were last year. And Georgia handled them last year at Arkansas. Excuse me, at Auburn. We've actually won eight of 10 overall in this series. At one point, the series was 55, 55, and five. And the point margin total was, it was the closest series in all of sports. It's not as close anymore. Georgia has won 12 of the last 15. Over five years, we've gone five and one against Auburn. And they haven't won in Athens since you were a wee pup, my friend. They haven't won in 15 years in Athens. The last victory there was 2005. I was just talking to my buddy DJ Shockley the other day that is his only regular season loss as a starting quarterback for the university of Georgia. He lost that day and we still won the sec. Obviously the crowd noise isn't going to be the normal crazy difference maker, but the energy of Sanford stadium will still be there somewhat. It's still a home game. I don't think Auburn has as good a shot as most people around the country do in this game. They'll still be a tiger trap between the hedges whether the fans yes. are there or not I'm, I'm a little more concerned about the game after Tennessee because it's a trap game in between Auburn and Bama they're on a seven game win streak we're going to be looking ahead to that white whale of Bama 
Auburn could easily win this game. It's the 125th meeting, fifth meeting of Georgia and Auburn, and that momentum is on Georgia's side now. We're up 60, 56, and 5 in the series history. In 2017, they scored 40 at home on us. Since that day, UGA has had the overall number one defense in the country. Auburn has been getting under five yards per pass attempt in every single meeting since then, including later that same year in the SEC championship game. They've never had a lead in the second half. Um, Another thing that we need to talk about is this penalty yardage. We gave up, we had 12 penalties for 108 yards. If we can get a better running game and eliminate some of those penalties right there, you're going to see a huge boost for Georgia. Yeah. I, you're very confident. And, and I, and I get why that is because I, you know, I like you have looked at the record here and even that game where they smoked you and some a, a beat reporter brought it up to Kirby this week and, and, and said, you know, he, at that time he said they beat the bulldog crap out of you or something. Yes. The, the bull the, crap or something. The bull crap. Gus was on a hot degenerate mic. Degenerate of that nature. And yeah. He, Gus uh, was on a hot mic. He didn't mean to say that. And I've, I know Gus, I met him and his wife in, in bucket a few years back. He's a nice guy. Um, I, and I, one correction, it's 60, 56 and eight. There've actually been eight ties in this series. This is a really close series. Gus was all fired up and trying to get the fans fired up. He didn't realize he was on a live mic. So that came back to bite him. Listen, I don't want to pretend that I'd pretend he wants to just fire up this rivalry and shit all over the bulldogs. And that's what we're going to go with. I think that's what we're, cause that's where the, the heat was this week. Because normally in these big rivalry games, and and make no mistake, this is the biggest rivalry game happened this week. Normally happens at the end of the year. I want to see players talking trash. I want to see I want to see Florida Tennessee stuff. I want to see people talking about death in the stands. But unfortunately, it's a COVID world, and we're gonna watch yeah. uh, Auburn versus Georgia in Athens with no fans. One well, week, not no but fans, thank- but limited, limited, limited. Um, but at least we have two head coaches who were throwing shade at each other. Like it was a RuPaul drag race episode, right? Both coaches saying that they have the other team has the most talented team in the league. That's the most talented team in the league. Well, I think you have the most talented team in the league, right? And that, I mean, it's not the best (laughs) trash talk, but it's something. Yeah. They're not, they're not the excellent guys at that, but um, that, that is the fan thing though. That's always there. Um, I've got some money riding on this game just on personal bets, not on my normal gambling that I used to like to do. Um, you know, some straight up bets with Auburn fans. I've, I've allu- talked to you about how the way it is in Atlanta with so many different fan bases. No, nothing more so than the Auburn and Georgia fans. I've got tons of Auburn friends. Used to work with Wayne Gandy, an Auburn All-American who was in the NFL for 15 years. I'm in sports talk radio. And tons of Auburn friends. I call it shouty you because it's got a lot of hotties. And, uh, you know, shouty you can't dance like us type stuff around here. But um, it's going to be a big game. It's going to be a heated rivalry anytime these two link up. ESPN's college game day is going to be there. Hopefully we got some hot mics this weekend because that's that's the funny thing. Like, that is one thing that there will be more of with limited fans is those uh, those big sound uh, spheres they got on the side are picking up everything. Yeah, you are getting more of that coach speak and hearing more of the guys talking on the side. Um, a lot of these kids know each other because Georgia and Auburn are true border rivals and that Auburn is basically West Georgia. Um, you cross over right there through Phoenix City. 
you know, if you have to. And boom, you're in Auburn country. Columbus, Georgia is Auburn country. There's a lot of back and forth. They're sister schools, um, which is indicative of schools that have done a lot of work together, stemming back to the ag programs. They're old farm schools. And a lot of the people know each other, especially down there in farm country on the plains of Georgia and Alabama. Um, there's going to be some trash talk amongst the fan base regardless. And I, I've talked to you a little bit about this, but the schedule shifting is a big deal to me personally because you know I'm an old guy. You know I'm an old rivalry guy. Auburn was always the last SEC game for Georgia. Our last two games are Auburn and Tech, our two rivals. Our three traditional rivals are Florida, Auburn, and Tech. Not Tennessee, not Bama. Those are our rivals. So now that Auburn was losing regularly to Bama and Georgia, they petitioned the SEC to get the game moved. So not just in COVID times. This game is no longer going to be at the end of the year for Georgia fans. It's going to be a mid-season game. This year, an early-season game. So the buildup isn't quite there, but it's fall time. Those leaves are changing. You're going to have that chill in the air. It's a night game. ESPN College game yeah, day is man. on hand. Yeah, This is football, it. baby. Let's go. And I'll tell you this. What I want, like, I, I, I don't mean to be just really aggressive here, but I feel like the last month has kept me up like a caged dog. And I want to see if those Tigers are going to feel the bulldog bite on Saturday night. And I want to hear your take on, I want to hear your take. I want to hear your honest take of what's going to happen here. Well, I, you know, I, I'm favoring Georgia heavily in this game, and it's really going to come down to the ebb and flow of the game. Um, that blackout game original was Georgia-Auburn. The Michael Johnson catch in the end zone to break the drought and win the SEC as far as what, go into the SEC championship game under Mark Rick was Auburn. A lot of the famous moments uh, in the in the history of University of Georgia are Georgia and Auburn. Vince Dooley, our great legend, went to Auburn. Pat Dye, their great legend, went to Georgia. These schools are really what they might call incestuous. There's a lot of ties. And sometimes that familiarity. The southern sister kissing. That's a tongue Yeah, we call there. it cousins. We don't call it sisters down here. We call it cousins. Everybody's cousins on one way or another. Everybody has the same place. family tree. Similar. It doesn't branch as wide as it does, perhaps. It's a big uh, tree, but we're all on it. Exactly. And, you know, you look up up north, you've got all the pro teams. You don't have this density of dynamic southern football. You talk about maybe 11, you know, in your hometown of New York City, you've got, what, 11 professional sports and no no major college football in the whole region. So it's a much different environment when you're talking about Syracuse Upstate then you're talking about seven or eight schools all circling around this Atlanta metro area as far as greater sprawl of the southern magnet that is Atlanta. Athens is not too far up the road. It's the classic city. Everyone's excited to be up there. And, you know, I'm honestly hurt right now, Sam, because I'm not going to be there. I don't want to go and not tailgate on campus. I don't want that feeling. I'm not ready for that. I'm going to watch the game at home with Richard Hilly. We're just going to sit here and do our thing. I don't want to not go to the president's garden where we have the best tailgate on campus and aren't allowed on there. I'm just not up for it. It hurts, but it wouldn't hurt as much as losing. Losing is what would really hurt. So what's your take? You going to win? Or are you going to lose? We're definitely going to win this football game, Sam. You're I, on the record. Definitely. I am on the record. We're definitely going to win this football game. And I've been wrong before as a semi-professional gambler over eight years, I averaged 87% um, wins. So I am pretty accurate. Obviously, my heart is in this one, and if you go with your heart, yeah, you, can you don't be wrong. gamble with your heart. 
So you I'm not going to take heart. the gambling into account on this. Exactly. So you are going to, you are on record. They're going to win. Is it going to be close? Uh, I think it's going to be close at least most of the game. I could see Georgia winning by 10 or something of that nature. Pulling it, but pull, it, like pulling it out at the end. Pulling a, a little late. That could happen. It could go away from Auburn. If Auburn doesn't have the running game, like I was saying, then we're going to be able to get them. Um, and our run defense is nasty. I'm worried about Auburn on Saturday. I'm worried about Auburn on Saturday because I just watched them beat a ranked team, a good Kentucky team, kind of yeah, with Kentucky's with, still with, Kentucky with better and, ease than a te- than Georgia beat a team that has yeah. lost 19 SEC games in a row. Actually, 20 well, now after the 20 loss. 20 now, but keep in mind, Kentucky got really robbed in that game, as I mentioned to you earlier this morning when we were chatting. Um, Kentucky clearly scored a touchdown at the most pivotal point of the game, was two yards into the end zone, and the ref deemed that his momentum had been stopped. The next play is an interception. So those sure, but type there's of no things, question that they're better than Arkansas. Kentucky, sure. But I don't think Whether Auburn's that much. Whether they won or lost, like they're better than Arkansas. Right. Arkansas, I don't like, think at the end of the day, as we also said earlier today, the scoreboard said that Auburn won. Right. And the scoreboard said that Georgia won. Just sure. one team struggled more with a lesser opponent, and the other team beat a better opponent. Yeah, agree. But again, we didn't struggle in the second half, so we haven't struggled in the Stetson Bennett era. That's true. So, the and I don't think Kentucky. Deliver. Right. But I'm not too concerned with the first half of the Georgia-Arkansas game. As far as I'm concerned, that's old news. That's done and off my radar. I'm looking at Georgia from halftime on, and I'm looking at Georgia in these next three games. Unless we're three and one, we're cooked because we've, you know, got such a tough schedule. We need to be four and zero ideally, but we've got Bama, we've got Tennessee, we're. We have got Auburn. We could drop a game and still win the SEC. Florida put up 600 yards of passing and thinks they're a lot better than Georgia right now. I'm not so sure about that. They gave up 615 yards to Ole Miss. So I'm not as worried about Florida as Florida thinks we should be worried about them. A lot of people are cloying and glomming on this first half like it's an indictment on the Georgia program. I don't see it as that. Anytime you win by 32, I'm or score 32 in the second half and have a dominant defensive performance on the road in the SEC, I don't see it as a failure. I mean, it wasn't a failure, but we're going to see what happens on Saturday. So tune in next week, guys. We're going to have, as we were supposed to have this week, unfortunately there was a scheduling conflict with the Harvard epidemiologist we're going to have on. We are going to talk about um, some of the SEC guidelines and some of the guidelines in college football and kind of do a compare. How is the SEC prepared? How is their technology? And we're going to get into that with you guys next week. And hopefully we'll talk about a Georgia win, but uh, we're going to have to see. And make it happen, dogs. We got a lot of tough schedules, scheduled opponents coming up. Auburn's important. Tennessee's going to be important. I look forward to hearing you next week. Go dogs. When you beat the Georgia Bulldogs, you're going to feel the Bulldogs bite. Oh.